finally, I'm going to ask Jennifer to come up. And uh, before she starts, I want y'all to reach out your hands. We're going to pray for her, right? This is body ministry. Here comes Sid. <laughs> you take your rightful place. <laughs> but, uh, you know, sometimes we just don't realize what people go through when they bring the word. And she's been undergoing a lot this week. It's been a full week on top of some minor surgery, so on and so forth. And she isn't feeling all that great. So please just extend your hands. And we just want to bless her. We want to speak peace and healing. Father, in Jesus' name, we just release that over Jennifer, over this entire family, over this entire household, Father. We just release your healing grace, and we release uh, your peace, the shalom peace of God that covers body, soul, and spirit, in Jesus' name. Amen. So please, welcome her. Thank you. I receive your prayers. Um, so our, our topic today is how God works through flawed people. And um, it's called Through People. And uh, it's especially interesting because um, I was thinking this morning, um, I hate schedules. I hate them. Okay? I hate them. As Matt tells the children... Your mother doesn't even want past her telling future her what and when to do, what to do and when to do it. Like, I I just, I don't like them. So, major character flaw, I ignore them. I note what I need to note down on the calendar and then I ignore it. So, if I wouldn't have ignored it, I wouldn't have realized that I had surgery on Thursday preached on, or I would have realized that surgery, surgery. Jerry on Thursday preached on Sunday and my children all performed dances this afternoon and I have to ready them. So God can work through us even when we're bad at schedules, right? So, and pardon me, I still cannot, but whatever they pump into your abdomen to like expand it, I still cannot take a full breath. So if I hunch over and breathe, I'm not dying. I'm just trying to breathe. So, I heard a podcast recently, and um, the person in the podcast said, they were talking about history and political history, and she said that she doesn't look up to people in history, she looks up to ideas. Um, And that sort of struck me wrong. Um, And in the past... When something strikes me wrong, I just sort of, like, stop listening to all of it, right? I'm like, I don't agree with that, and I shut it off. But I decided that I was going to, like, push through this because it was something I wanted to hear. Um, And through that podcast, though, God started speaking to me. Um, I can tend to be a person who likes to have conversations about ideas, right? I will talk about ideas and forget that there are people involved, right? But God never, he didn't create that way. And it's something that he's starting to stir in me, that God created, and he created principles, and created ideas, and he created order. And then he created people to administrate those things. God designed, we're going to, 
kind of take a, a chapter out of Johnny Clausen's book and go into Genesis a little bit. But God designed this world as a partnership between him and us. Now, don't get me wrong. God doesn't need us. He stopped. He can do whatever it is he wants to do. But he chose us. So, to me that makes it extra special that he chose us. Um, I will sometimes tell my husband, I don't need you. I chose you. Now, he doesn't always take it that way, but I feel like that makes him, he should feel extra special. <laughs> so we don't always take it that way, right? We, 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 well, okay, he picked, he chose. No, he said, I want to partner with you to establish my kingdom and to administrate the ideas and the principles that I've set forth. So in Genesis 1, we see that God created. There was nothing. Everything that there is, he created. I took a a class, I don't know, a couple months ago, and they were talking about that in creating everything, God shows his sovereignty over everything, his lordship over everything. So any of the other idols and, and small g gods out there, right, they can't claim that they created all of the things. So God created everything that there is. Therefore, he is Lord of everything that there is. But then in Genesis 2.15, it says, God took man and put him in the garden and told him to tend and keep it. He put man into the position of running, of administering creation. That's pretty cool. Like the God who created everything from nothing put and then created us and was like, okay, here, now I've charged you with running this. Genesis 1.28 says, be fruitful and multiply, fill the earth and subdue it and have dominion. And he lists all the things that we're supposed to have dominion over. So the God who created, and he created us, he then breathed into us the breath of life and created a partnership. We see evidence of this in Amos. So Amos 4.13, and I was going to bring my Bible, like my actual physical Bible today, and I completely forgot. We're just going to roll here. It says, for behold, he who forms the mountains and created the wind, the creator, and declares to man what are his thoughts, he who makes the dawn into darkness and treads on the high places of the earth, the Lord of hosts is his name. So he created all that was, all that is. And not only did he charge us with administering it, But he declares to man what are his thoughts. So, he didn't just give man the job to do and then leave him to do it wrong. You ever worked for people who are like, I'm going to tell you to do that, but I'm not going to tell you how I want you to do that so that I can yell at you when you've done it wrong. 
Is that like anybody ever been there, right? Well, why didn't you do it this way? Because you didn't tell me to do it that way. God doesn't do that to us. We can know the thoughts of God. So he created this partnership. And then he gives us the ability not only to administrate what it is that he wants us to do, but also to know his thoughts on the issue and the matter. All of 1 Corinthians chapter 2 is Paul talking about his reliance on the Spirit of God, on leaning on the Spirit to know the mind of Christ. So I'm just going to read a little bit of that. Paul says in verse 1, When I came to you, brethren, I did not come with superiority of speech or wisdom, proclaiming to you the testimony of God. For I determined to know nothing among you except Jesus Christ and him crucified. I was with you with much weakness and fear and in much trembling. And my message and my preaching were not in persuasive words of wisdom, but in demonstration of spirit and power, so that your faith would not rest on the wisdom of men, but the power of God. Then he says in verse 10, For to us God revealed them through the Spirit, for the Spirit searches all things, even the depths of God. For who among men knows the thoughts of men except for the Spirit of man which is in him? Even so, the thoughts of God no one knows except the Spirit of God. Now we have received not the Spirit of the world, but the Spirit who is from God, so that we may know the things freely given to us by God. Which things we also speak, not in words taught by human wisdom, but in those taught by the Spirit, combining spiritual thoughts and spiritual words. But a natural man does not accept the things of the Spirit of God, for they are foolishness to him, and he cannot understand them. This is verse 14. We're going to kind of come back here. Because they are spiritually appraised. But he who is spiritual appraises all things, yet he himself is appraised by no one. For who has known the mind of the Lord that he will instruct him? But we have the mind of Christ. Okay? The natural man doesn't have the mind of Christ. But we do. Because as we lean into the Spirit, then we can know his thoughts, his ideas. Who knows God has ideas? He has thoughts about things. He has thoughts about you. And sometimes we have to just lean into the spirit and say, I need to know what your thoughts on this are because my thoughts are just what the natural man has and it's not good. See, it's not just about the idea, this ethereal idea of God's. But as Paul realized, it's about the application of the idea of God through the flawed human. Listen, in the beginning, it wasn't so. In the beginning, God created man and he was perfect and without sin. And God was charging him to be the ambassador of his his ideas. But when man and woman fell, God didn't just take that away from him. He didn't say, man, you screwed up. Now you're not going to administrate anything. You don't get to know my thoughts. Sorry, you messed up. You done messed up, A.A. Ron. No, anybody? A.A. Ron, you done messed up. That's kind of old. I guess that's showing my age. Okay. So, 
Romans 11, 28 says the gifts and callings of God are irrevocable. He knows. He knows what we're made of. He knows who we are. He knows that Jen hates schedules and ignores them until she absolutely has to and then gets herself into trouble. (laughs) He knows. He loves me. It's okay. It is a partnership with God, even if we're flawed humans. I love Solomon. I probably say that every time I get up here. Um, Solomon was amazing and yet very, very flawed and, and didn't end up where God intended him to end up because of uh, the things that he did. But when he first becomes king, there is something that I think is so interesting. If you read between uh, 2 Chronicles 1.1 1, 1 and 1 Kings 2.46. I'm sorry, 1 Kings 2.46. 2 Chronicles says, Solomon established himself securely over the kingdom, showed himself strong, fully grasped the reins of his rule as king. Okay, that's what that means. Solomon established himself. First king says, so, so the kingdom was established in the hands of Solomon. It's really interesting, the two differences there. One is very active. Solomon did it. He did it himself. It specifically says Solomon established himself. And then first king said, so Solomon's kingdom was established in his hands. Those are very two different voices or different voices. So what we see there is that there's a partnership where God established him and then Solomon took the reins and accepted the establishment that God gave him. To me, that is really a cool picture of the partnership that we have with God because God says, here, I'm going to set you here. And if we go, oh, that's nice. And don't go, yes, I will take that as my own. Then it's not the same effectiveness because God has created a partnership with us. Have I said that 700 times yet? Okay, it's a partnership. (laughs) There's an active and passive voice to those verses, God and Solomon working Together. Now, this is super important for two reasons. This is like the crux of, and I went through that really fast, and I'd say I'm sorry, but I'm really not. (laughs) There's two things on this, right? One, we need to know that we know that we know that we know that God wants to work through us because the enemy likes to come in and point out everything that we are not. Okay? I don't love to present any sort of weakness ever. I don't. I don't love it. It's not my favorite thing. If you looked at me, I would have it all together. That's not true. I never have anything together. What is that? Like, I don't have my ducks in a row. I have squirrels and they're at a rave. Like, <laughs> uncomfortable that like you go back and think and you're like that was really bad 
And the enemy's like, yeah, that disqualified you. Uh Uh-uh, it doesn't. Look, Solomon was a result of an affair where David decided he wanted a woman and had her husband killed. Like, I'm pretty sure if y'all haven't done that, you're in good shape. (laughs) I mean, let's talk about standards here, right? You can spend all day, every day, beating yourself, flogging yourself for the fact that, like, um, you're not on time, or um, you do this too much, or do you do that too much, or whatever. But if you lean into the Spirit of God, He knows what that stuff is, and He can, one, either get rid of it, or two, refine it for His purpose. Because, you know what? I don't like schedules because I kind of like to do whatever it is I feel like doing whenever I feel like doing it. But what if God can use that? And so he says, Jen, I know that you're supposed to be at the grocery store right now, but there's somebody over there that I want you to go pray for. He can use that about me, and he can use it for his good pleasure. So we spend a whole lot of time, and I know I've preached this part before, but we spend a whole lot of time Thinking like, oh, I'm not good enough to show the kingdom of God. But you are, because he has partnered with you. And he has partnered with you to not only administrate his plan, but to administrate his ideas. Um, we are in unique expression of, of the spirit of God. Him through us is a unique expression because we are unique individuals. So when he works through me, it doesn't look like it. It looks like from anybody else. And nobody else can do the job that he sent me to do in the way that he sent me to do it because I am a unique expression of his spirit. I'm reading this biography of George Washington, okay? Kind of coming full circle to historical people. Um, in the podcast, Chris Ballatin was, was one of the people in the podcast and he was interviewing this lady and she said she didn't really have any heroes. And he said, really? Cause I've always liked George Washington and George Washington was like this really interesting human being. Um, this biography is taking me forever to get through. It's like 900 pages and I love it because some of the books about George Washington are straight out hero worship. And some of them are straight up like, well, he was a slave owner, so he was a terrible human, so nothing he did was good, right? We have these, like, really great, vast dichotomies and ideas. But this one is really real because it kind of goes into just who he was and what his motivation was. And he was so preoccupied with how he appeared to the world. Like, his image was, like, super important to him. He didn't actually have the finances to go without pay for the whole Revolutionary War. His um, Mount Vernon was in ruins, and his crops were failing and all this stuff, but he wouldn't take a salary because he didn't want that to look like he was out for gain. He actually really had the pull and the draw to public service, to, to leading um, and to the presidency and to, and to being president of the Continental Congress, all he had this pull and this desire to do it, but he didn't want to look like he was hungry for power. So he like 
waited back and he basically let people force him into those positions even though he really wanted it. Or part of him wanted it. I think sometimes um, he reminds me of the males in my family that I know who are reluctant. They have that FOMO, that fear of missing out, but they don't really want to do it. It's kind of a dichotomy in their heads and brains. Um, I know. So, but he, he had real flaws. Like, he didn't like slavery, but because of his financial situation and because of the day he lived in, he had no idea how to get rid of it. He, and because of his image and he didn't want this person mad at him or this person mad at him, like, he, he, he just didn't know. He didn't know what to do. He didn't know how to deal with it. Like, it's super interesting to realize that this man had, like, convictions, but he also was flawed, and he didn't know how to get there, and he didn't know what to do. So he could have said, like, I don't have the answers to any of this, and I'm pretty sure people are going to think I want to be king, so I'm not going to do anything. But he didn't do that. Instead, he answered the call, and he was, like, so aware that what he was doing was historic. He was so aware that what he was doing had a place in history that he had all of his papers, um, any of his, um, anything that he wrote, his orders or anything throughout the Revolutionary War, he kept them. And he had them taken to, um, I think it was Philadelphia or New York at the time, and like copied over had people make copies and copies and copies of it to preserve it for posterity. He was vitally aware that, or, or, or very keenly aware that what he was doing was of vital importance. And I think we can take a lesson in that. Like, don't save all your papers, please, for the love of God, don't do that. But, but, there is an awareness that I, I think God is calling us to carry that when he partners with us, when we partner with him, it is a moment in history that can change the course of history. So I think he wants to be as, us to be aware of those things. Okay, so all that to say God wants to work through us, even though we're flawed, even though we're not perfect. That's okay because he has created us unique, and we have a unique expression of his presence. The second idea is the one that's super exciting to me. And I'm like writing this, and it reads like a ordinance, or what is it, a resolution, right? Whereas God is the creator, and he partners with us. Whereas the gifts and callings of God are irrevocable. Whereas that means unbelievers experience creativity. Whereas, as we see in 1 Corinthians, that creativity is only complete when leaning into the Spirit of God. Therefore, we can evangelize the world by encouraging the growth and development of their giftings. So, if I see someone, the Proverbs that says, see a man, 
skilled in his craft, he will stand before kings. When I see someone who's good at something, I don't have to be like, ooh, the kingdom could really use you. Would you like to accept Jesus as your savior? No, that's not bad. If you want to do that, be my guest. But one of the people I met with Melissa um, in Texas last year would always use the phrase, the truth doesn't need to wear a Jesus t-shirt. I can go, wow, you are so good at that. You're an excellent orator. You communicate what needs to happen so well. Like, you know, I'm go for it. Do you want to learn more about that? Absolutely. How can I help you? How can I encourage you? Where can I be? Like, oh, yeah, you want to take that class? I think that's a great idea because I'm going to tell you something. At a certain point, because, because God is the author of creativity, because he is the author of skill, we in our flesh can only go to a certain point. And then we have to partner with God for the full expression. And so when that person hones their skill and their craft to a point where they're at the end of themselves, they have to go to the creator for more. And when they're there, when they're stuck, we get to say, oh, well, it's probably because you're so good at this. And you've just gotten to the end of what you can do. But you know what? I know the one who created that skill. I know the one who set that in motion. Let's ask God to give you ideas. This works everywhere. This works in business. God ideas in business are the best ideas, right? When, when there's a God idea, you're like, whoa, yeah. I use it in finances all the time. What does this money look like in kingdom, God? I use it in dance. When a dancer dances and they're incredibly skilled, listen, there's a difference when I'm dancing in a performance and when I go with the intention that I'm going to let the Spirit of God move my body. There's, there's a difference. I don't know. Melissa might be the one to tell you if the artists of history were were believers or had tapped into the creator. I don't know that Van Gogh was. How much more could he have done if he was? Like We have incredible people in history because God wants to partner with us and he's given us these gifts. But we hit a wall when we just do it in and of our own selves. So I'm going to lean in to that creativity. That's why believers have the best ideas. That's why we should have the best ideas. That's why we should be making the money because we should have the business sense. That's why we should be leading political arenas. The end of this podcast, the lady said, and this is why I'm glad I pushed through. She said, People think politicians should be just evangelizing from the political realm, and I don't think that's true. And you know what? I agree with her. I don't think that as a politician I should stand up and and tell everybody to be saved. Do I think everybody should be? Yeah, heck yes, I do. But I don't think it's my role to use that pulpit to preach. But my role is to live the gospel, to evangelize with my life. 
to lean into all of the creativity and all the guide ideas that are necessary in my mountain and then be that example of what it looks like when you're partnered with God. And that's what our job is. All of us, and then also in evangelizing the world. Encourage people's giftings. Lift up on them. You know what? Elon Musk, probably not a believer, but he's been so preached to lately because the Christians have come alongside him and pushed up on his gift. And they've encouraged him. And they've said, you know, Jesus. You know, Jesus. And who knows? Maybe someday he'll know Jesus. And then what will his business and his billions look like in the kingdom of heaven? Side note, I did tell Matt that I really someday want to be rich enough to tell dictators to shove off. (laughs) Like Elon Musk. Oh, there's a revolution. Let me just go put my internet over your country so you dictator can't control anything anymore. Like, that's just like, that would be the ultimate. I do sometimes think that I preach the same thing over and over, but I am the practical application person. I'm your practical application person. How do we, we talk about mountains and our mountains and yeah we have to follow God and do what he says but we also have to go out there and we have to network and we have to have a relationship and we have to be able to take kingdom and administrate it on earth and that's that's what God gave to us and it's the partnership he gave to us and so that's what I want to encourage you today Look for places in your life and people in your life who are so good at things and start pushing up on those giftings. Hey, start pushing up on your own. Russell can have a conversation with a ham sandwich and it can be amazing. people who receive things from Russ that they never would receive from me because of the way he goes about it. And that's awesome. Push up on your gifting. Hey God, this is cool about me. I want to use that more. I'm going to lean into you because you are the author and you created me to partner with you. That's really cool. So that's all I have. Let's pray. Heavenly Father, I'm so glad I get to do this with you. I'm so glad you picked me. God, there's nothing worse than being like the part of a part of a committee where you don't get to do anything. You just got to go sit through the meetings. And that's not what you intended for us. You intended for us to be able to do the things and do them with you. So today, Lord, we purpose to lean into your spirit to let your spirit do his perfect work in us and so that we can administrate your kingdom with our unique expression here on earth. And God, I pray that you put um, spiritual glasses on us, Lord, a lens that we can start to see the good and talent in those around us. Lord, make us encouragers that we can push up on their goals, push up on their missions, 
Lord, not in enticing words of men, but with spirit and power, that we can speak into those giftings with power and push up on those. So, Lord, that they hit the ceiling of themselves and then you break it open with your spirit. We bless you. We thank you for who you've created us to be. In Jesus' name, amen.